Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Now that I can see you, I'm looking around, see who's here. Great to be with you today. And uh, we don't have slides behind me today uh, to distract you. So, uh, yeah, you just get me today. Uh, Pastor Kyle uh, made it okay to Africa, although I heard there were some uh, interesting uh, experiences that he went through in getting there and got there much later than he had planned to, but uh, as, as late as maybe half an hour ago, uh, he was on the phone trying to help us from Africa with the technical difficulties we're experiencing here, uh, and uh, so we know that he's alive and well and, and doing great, uh, dealing with jet lag as one would expect. But uh, let's continue to pray for him as he ministers along with our Bishop Matt Whitehead over in Malawi, Africa. I heard a story one time about uh, two boys. Their names were Jason and Tony. And uh, they were 12-year-old boys. And they were excited because Jason's father was going to take them to the state fair uh, in, in uh, in in the world that they lived in. And so he took them on an evening... It's something about going to state fairs in the evening that I think is really cool. All the lights and just the, the sounds of it, uh, I think, magnify the experience. And so these two 12-year-old boys were all excited about going to the state fair. And they went up to the, uh, to the booth at the front with, with Jason's dad, and Jason paid for both of their admission, and they got these little wristbands that you put on uh, to show that they had paid for their admission. And they walked in, and Jason's dad said, you guys have two hours, just I'll meet you back at a certain place in two hours, and uh, just go have fun. So they were all excited, this was their first experience of doing this, and they were running around looking at all the, the, uh, the things that were to see there, and just the, the lights and the sounds were inspiring them, and they stood there for the longest time watching these people on the rides, and the screams of delight, and sometimes terror, that were uh, coming out of those rides, they were just enjoying it all, and taking it all in, and they stood there for the longest time, and finally, Jason's father saw them standing there, and he goes, what are you guys doing? He said, we're, we're watching all the people on the rides. He goes, well, why aren't you going on them? He says, well, we don't have tickets to go on the rides. And their father said, no, that armband that you have on there pays for every ride, I already paid for everything. You can go on everything without limit. And boys then were excited to be able to enter into that. And that story to me illustrates something that I think happens to Christian people. We see people in the Christian life and we look at them and we think, man, they just seem to have such joy. But I I don't have that. Do you know that Jesus paid for you when he died on the cross not only to forgive you of your sins, he paid the price for you to experience joy. That's included in the admission to the family of God. And it seems to me that so many Christian people are living beneath their privilege that God has provided for them in this area of joy. Or sometimes we see Christian people that at one time were joyous and somehow they sprung a leak in their joy bucket. And all the joy seems to have leaked out. Well, the book of Philippians we've been finding as Pastor Kyle has been leading us through this study is a book all about joy. It's called the Epistle of Joy by many Bible scholars. And it's fascinating to me that this letter or this Epistle of Joy was written by somebody who was in jail. Because that's where the Apostle Paul was when he wrote this. But that didn't stop him from experiencing 
this, this joy uh, in the Lord. And today I want us to consider some things that might rob us of the joy that God has for us. And so we're going to be looking today at Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And uh, we're going old school today, so uh, you might... Uh, well, I guess it's not all that old school if you pull out your device and, and pull up Philippians 3, but uh, I would encourage you to do that, or maybe there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you that you could pull out. Philippians chapter 3 is where I'll be reading from now. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, who, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want you to notice the, the very first verse that I read, what, what Paul said there. He said, it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and is a safeguard for you. My friends, hearing truth over and over again is a safeguard to us. When we hear a pastor bring, bring a sermon or, or someone bringing a teaching and we think, oh, I know that. I, I, I've known that for years. Um, we need to remind ourselves that there's a safeguard in hearing truth over and over again. We need to be reminded. Preaching and teaching often consists of reminding people of stuff they already know. Right now, the Seahawks are in training camp. They had their first preseason game last night and, and uh, didn't quite pull off a win, but uh, showed some promise and, uh, from, my, from my vantage point. But you know what those guys are doing when they're in training camp? They're going over, in many cases, the same stuff that they've gone over since they played peewee football. If you're a running back, this is how you, you hold the ball so that you don't fumble it. And if you're a wide receiver, this is how you use your hands to catch the ball. And, and if you're a lineman, this is how you block and how you protect the quarterback. And in all their positions, they're learning fundamentals. They're going over it again and again and again. And that's a safeguard to us, the Apostle Paul says here, as followers of Jesus. So uh, I, I think of the words of that old hymn that, that we sing, I love to tell the story. It says, I love to tell the story for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. We need to hear it over and over again. Paul said that here in Philippians chapter 3. Peter said it in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. 
He said, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory. As a preacher, that really encourages me. You know, I don't have to be looking for some, some new truth that's just going to blow people's minds. Well, whoa, I never thought of that before. Um, we need to go back to the basics and say this is the truth and reinforce it over and over again. And so today, let's examine how it is that we might lose our joy and how we can put some safeguards in place so that that doesn't happen. There's three things that I see Paul speaking of here that our joy may be stolen by. The first one is legalism. Legalism. Paul said, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Legalism will steal people's joy. It can destroy lives, it can destroy families, and it can be very destructive in church families as well. Here's my definition of legalism. It's when we substitute rules and regulations for our relationship with Jesus. It comes in very subtly oftentimes. It gets the focus off of what God has done for me and puts the focus on what I have to do for God. Salvation is God's doing. For grace are you saved by faith. It's not of yourselves, the scripture says, so that we can't boast about it. We put our faith in what God has done for us. And when you flip the focus around to what you have to do for God, you're going to lose your joy. God is not a warden. He's a deliverer. He doesn't lock us up in a prison. Have you ever seen someone start out in the Christian life full of joy and end up miserable? Oftentimes that happens because someone has put a load of legalism on them. Jesus talked about it in his day this way. He said, these people tie up heavy loads and put them on people's shoulders. It's a, it's a load of legalism that we can put on one another. And this has been happening for, for centuries. In Bible times, there were people called the Judaizers. And they believed that, yes, salvation came through Jesus, plus a bunch of other things. So they added so much stuff to the purity of the gospel. And in Philippians 3, the, the Apostle Paul is actually coming against the Judaizers. He doesn't call them out by name, but that's what, what he's speaking about here. And they were adding rules that will steal people's joy. And Paul is angry. Can you hear the anger in his voice here? He calls them dogs. Now in Bible times, dogs were not these fluffy little animals that you had around your house. They, they, had, they, they traveled around in packs, they were vicious, and they were scavengers, and you didn't want them around. So Paul was not saying a nice thing about these people that were legalists. Paul says, let me use my own life as an example. He said, I had reasons to be confident in legalism. If you want to compare lives of legalism, I will win that contest every time, Paul is saying. And then he specifically went through and talked about some of the things that he could brag about. He says, you can't top my religious pedigree. I've, I've got you all beat. And when you look at Paul's points here, there are good signs to show if you and I may have fallen into this trap of legalism. The first thing he said is, if you put your trust in rituals. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day, which was a ritual that, that proved that you were a true Israelite. 
And so today, people might say, well, I was baptized as an infant, or I took communion, or I went through, uh, through, through confirmation, or whatever it is that people look to to say, this validates me as a, as a true Christian. Paul said, no, that's not where it is. He said, if you put your trust in heritage, he said, I'm, I'm from the people of Israel, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. So today we can say, well, my mom and dad were Christians, so I'm good. My uncle's a preacher. <laughs> you know, we, we, we can come up with things and say, well, these, these, are, these are my reasons to be good and acceptable as a Christian. You can get religion by heritage. You can't get Christianity by heritage. If you put your trust in religion, Paul said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. So we can say, well, I'm a Presbyterian or I'm a Lutheran or at the top of the list, I'm a free Methodist. <laughs> well, good. Paul's saying religion is not the answer. Paul said, don't put your trust in rules. He said, for me, in regard to, to the law, I was a Pharisee. In other words, I, was, I took this stuff seriously. I was a spiritual elite. You know, the Pharisees took the original Ten Commandments and made 600 more out of those Ten Commandments. They got so specific uh, about things you could do and couldn't do. And Paul said, I was, I was playing that game. I was in all of that. And he said, I had reputation. I was zealous. Everybody knew that I was out to to get rid of people that I thought were heretics. The problem with all of this thinking, Paul says, is that we think that it gives us points with God. And Paul said, that's just not the way it works. Paul said in, in uh, another of the books that he wrote, Galatians chapter 6, and this is where I thought I was going to read off the screen, so I just need to... To look at something here. Galatians 2 verse 16 I should say. Galatians 2 16. Paul said know that a man is not justified by observing the law. But by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus. That we may be justified by faith in Christ. And not by observing the law. Because by observing the law no one will be justified. So how do we keep ourselves from losing our joy and getting caught up in this trap of legalism? The answer to that question is that we live each day by grace. Every day receive God's grace with gratitude and every day extend his grace to others. Grace is the key to joy. And it's interesting if you study the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, if you look at the word grace and you look at the word joy, you realize they come from the same root word. Grace is the word charis. Joy is the word kara. They come from the same thing. So there's a connection between living in grace and experiencing the joy of the Lord. It's the secret to joy. Don't let your joy be stolen by legalism. A second thing that will steal our joy that I believe Paul addresses in this section of Philippians is to have misplaced priorities. A lot of people are looking for joy and they're not finding it. Remember that old song, looking for love in all the wrong places? A lot of people are looking for joy in all the wrong places. How do I know that my priorities are misplaced, that they're not appropriate. 
But we know that when we realize that our life is all about pursuing things that are temporary. There's no lasting joy in chasing after things that are going to pass away. Yeah, you can have a moment of, of excitement and happiness, but joy is deeper than that. And it's not going to be found in pursuing things that will pass away. Paul said, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. This was Paul's profit and loss statement. For those of you that are business owners or accountants or whatever, he said, all the stuff that I thought was so important, no, it wasn't. All the things I thought were valuable, that I made my highest priority, I now consider them garbage. And if you want to, 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 to hear the blunt truth, the word that Paul uses there literally means dung. Scubalon is the Greek word, and it actually means dung. Paul says, all that stuff, that's, that's what it is. It has no value. He said, my priorities were messed up. And the outcome was I didn't have any joy in my life. The outcome is disappointment. All those things that we think will bring us joy, that new thing that we, we get, or that, that promotion, or, or whatever it is. I'm not saying those things are bad in and of themselves, but if we have them as the highest priority in our life, we will be disappointed people. Don't lose your joy over misplaced priorities. When you have that new car, and you get the first ding in the fender, oh no, you know? Your heart sinks. Well, is your priority in the right place? When your investments go south. Remember, my family just was surprised and lost their job this past week. Um, those, can be, those can be challenging times. I'm not trying to make light of it or make it sound like it's no big deal. But if our priorities are out of whack, then, then our whole world can fall apart in those times. When it comes to maintaining our joy, we had better keep our perspective on what is really important and what isn't as important. Life is a matter of trade-offs, isn't it? Paul says, I gave up all that religious stuff for a relationship with Jesus. And with that, I found joy. Everything you give up to follow Jesus is just garbage anyway. That's what Paul is saying. What are you afraid to give up for God? Whatever it is, your comfort, your reputation, materialism, stuff, that is very likely the very thing that's robbing you of joy. It's the very thing that's keeping you from the abundant life that Jesus has provided for us. Remember those boys at the, at the fairgrounds thinking that they couldn't go on the rise, they couldn't have what everybody else had, not realizing it had already been paid for. Jesus paid for you to be freed of your sin, and to have joy and an abundant life. And so how do we safeguard ourselves from getting our priorities mixed up? The safeguard is to regularly reevaluate your priorities. To take time regularly to say, okay, what's important to me? What are the most important things? And go over that. Renew that in your mind. Like Paul said, it's a safeguard for us to do that. Paul said, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. It's all just not worth anything compared to knowing Jesus. 
There's a third thing that Paul addresses in this passage in Philippians chapter 3 that will steal our joy from us. Our joy can be stolen by a shallow relationship with Christ. That's the third one. What is a, a shallow relationship with Christ? Well, it's settling for less than an intimate knowledge of Him. Joy comes through an ever-deepening knowledge and relationship with Jesus. And part of the reason that the Apostle Paul was so full of joy, even though he was writing this from jail, was his yearning to know Christ more. Can you hear it? Did you sense it when I read that portion of the scripture? I'll read verse 10 again. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. What Paul was saying here was, I want to know Jesus so well, and be so intimately acquainted with him, that even his suffering, even his death, I'm willing to embrace that. That's how well I want to know him. I just don't want to settle for knowing all the, the nice parts of Jesus, the parts that seem pleasant to me. When Jesus took children on his lap and blessed them, and I think, oh, that's so sweet. Well, yeah, that's, that's part of Jesus. That's great. But that's not all of who Jesus is. That same Jesus cleared the temple of the money changers. That same Jesus experienced extreme suffering and pain. And so Paul is saying, I don't want just the easy parts of following Jesus. I, I want it all. Can you hear the desperation in Paul's voice here. He wasn't willing to settle for a shallow relationship. And friends, too many people are. Too many people are willing to say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and I, I'm just going to be happy with that. We're good now, right? Let's, let, let's just settle for that. There's a problem that happens in our life when we settle for a shallow relationship with Jesus. First thing is that we become complacent. And the second thing is that we become vulnerable. Complacency means that our love grows cold. We're lukewarm, a term that's used in the book of Revelation to describe people who are just not all that passionate about following Jesus. Complacency is a problem. And there's not joy in a complacent relationship with the Lord. The second problem is the problem of vulnerability. We're vulnerable to temptation when we're just kind of messing around with our relationship with the Lord. We're vulnerable to discouragement and we're vulnerable to joylessness. There was a little boy that one night fell out of bed. His parents heard this loud thunk and then he started crying. And so they ran down the hallway and they said, what happened? How did you fall out of bed? And he, he said, well, I guess I just stayed too close to where I got in. <laughs> it's true of some people in their relationship with the Lord. We just stay too close to where we got in. Paul said, my number one ambition in life is to know Christ. We might say, well, Man, you're the Apostle Paul. Didn't he already know him? Of course he did. He just wanted to know him more. He wanted to press in further and further. That's a sign of a healthy Christian life. And with it comes joy. And so how can we keep joy from being stolen by a, 
a casual relationship with Christ, we get to know him better and better. There's a city down in California you may have heard of. It's called Monterey. They have a beautiful aquarium there. I've been there a couple times. It's a remarkable place. Well, um, Monterey is a fishing town, and there's a lot of uh, fishermen there that, that go out to sea. And when they come back into shore, that's where they clean their fish. And this fact was not lost on a group of birds that live there, the pelicans. The pelicans knew that when these fishermen came back, they would clean their fish, and all the stuff that they cleaned out of the fish, they would throw to the pelicans. And these pelicans got pretty fat and lazy and complacent because they knew they didn't have to hunt for food. The fishermen were going to provide it for them. That was until several years ago when the fishermen found that there was a use for this offal that they would throw off the fish. Um, I don't know how it was used. Probably fertilizer, maybe pet food. I don't know what it was used for. But uh, the pelicans found that their way of being fed was no longer there. You know what happened? These pelicans walked around and they became gaunt and thin. Some of them actually died. They'd forgotten how to fish for themselves. And um, the, the local jurisdiction there in Monterey tried to figure out, what are we going to do to help this problem because all the pelicans are dying? And um, what they decided to do was they found some pelicans that lived elsewhere that didn't have the same privileges as these pelicans had become used to, and they brought them in and kind of interspersed them with the pelicans that lived in Monterey, basically to teach them, because these pelicans knew how to go and fish and find their own food. And it didn't take too long before the, the older pelicans that had lived there all their life learned from these other ones how to do it. You know, that, that picture of these pelicans starving there in Monterey is much like many Christian people. People who have become complacent and think, man, if I just show up at church every once in a while, you know, Pastor Kyle will throw me some stuff and I'll be good for a while. Do you know that's not Pastor Kyle's job? I hope you know that. The Bible says that those of us who are in ministry are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're to be in the, in the business of equipping you so that you can do the work of ministry. And God has called you not to, to be fed as you, you grow in the Lord, as you mature, but to, to learn, to spend time in God's word yourself, to call out to him in prayer. And I want to ask you today, Where's, where's the joy meter in your life right now? Don't, you don't have to answer that out loud. Back, back, please don't. But on a scale of 1 to 10, what, what number would you give yourself in terms of 10 being you are just joyous and 1 being not much joy there? Where are you on that scale? Is there freshness in your walk with the Lord? Is there a spark there still? I'm not saying we always have to go on our feelings. We go on, on, on the truth of God's word. But God has provided joy for you. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's the second one that's mentioned. and goes on to list some others. If you're not experiencing joy to the level that you would hope for, 
And let me ask you, which of these three things might be going on in your life? Is there legalism there? Have you substituted all these do's and don'ts? And by the way, I'm not trying to say that there are are no things that Christians shouldn't avoid and things that we should certainly do, of course. But if your, your walk with the Lord is based on all the rules and regulations, there's no joy there. If I do these things, then, then I'm good. And you know, if I avoid these things, then, then um, I, if I do more good than I do bad, then I'm good. No, that's, not, that's not the plan. That's not where joy is. So is it legalism? Is it misplaced priorities? Have you got caught up in chasing after that which can, can not give you joy? Some of you might remember a game that was popular a number of years ago. It was called Trivial Pursuit. I wonder how many of us uh, live our lives playing a, a game of Trivial Pursuit. Misplaced priorities. Or finally, have you settled for a shallow relationship with Jesus? hoping someone will throw you some spiritual food every once in a while so you can survive, but not really pressing in yourself to know him. Life in Christ really begins when we press in to know him more. This message today is not intended to condemn you or to judge you, but to challenge you, as I've been challenged myself as I've spent time in this scripture this week. To experience the joy that God has for us. Let's pray about it together.